You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. This episode is brought to you by the Spiritual Lifestyle Collective, a membership community that is your central location for spiritual and entrepreneurial resources and tools to help you live life unapologetically. With the Spiritual Lifestyle Collective, you won't feel alone in the spiritual discovery or spiritual entrepreneur space. You will be able to stay in your lane as you work on your personal and business development. Messages from spirit won't elude or confuse you. You'll trust the process and it won't feel like an overused statement. Here's what's included in the Spiritual Lifestyle Collective. Guidance. Receive daily, weekly, and monthly guidance while being part of the Spiritual Lifestyle Collective. Enjoy daily oracle card readings, weekly office hours, and monthly guidance sets, which can include workbooks or PowerPoint presentations. Resource Library. We've done the work for you. Find answers you're seeking here in the Resource Library, where workbooks, worksheets, videos, and more will be located. Community. Be part of a welcoming community who gets it. Network and connect with like-minded, spiritually-centered, individuals. Also, there will be special guests each month where there will be a subject matter expert to talk about various topics. We will also feature members. And as a reminder, you will be receiving free downloads, which includes wallpaper for your phone and computer desktop. You can enroll in the Spiritual Lifestyle Collective by going to spirituallifestylecollective.com. You can get one month free when you sign up for the monthly plan, which is $30 every three months. Or you can go for the gold and sign up for the annual plan in which you will say half, which is $60. Again, you can sign up today at spirituallifestylecollective and you will receive bonus training in the guidance set section. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Spiritual and Empowerment Living with international speaker, spiritual mentor, and best-selling author, Tia Johnson, as she discusses spiritual and women's empowerment topics to assist you in igniting your spirituality and empowering your quality of life. Let's welcome your host, Tia Johnson. All right, spiritual trailblazers, you are in for a treat today. I cannot wait to talk about this very, very deep and also enlightening topic, trauma, adversity, and mental health with Marian Bacall-Uba. So Marian is a conscious content creator, transformational coach, speaker, author, and certified meditation teacher. She empowers women to overcome trauma and adversity, improve mental health through 
holistic wellness, and thrive in mind, body, and soul. In addition to offering one-on-one coaching and online group programs, Marion speaks and advocates for sexual abuse awareness, mental health, and entrepreneurship for women of color. Marion also speaks on topics such as conscious lifestyle and entrepreneurship, holistic wellness, meditation, and mindfulness and diversity in business. Marion's journey involves living a double life, battling mental illness and drug alcohol abuse, a near-death out-of-body experience that kick-started her spiritual awakening, speaking out about sexual abuse, and her personal transformation that brings her to work for, uh, help her to bring work and how she helps others. You can also connect with her on her website, and I will have the link to that in the description of this episode. Marion, welcome. Thank you, Tia. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. I've really been looking forward to this interview because this is these topics are topics that really need to be talked about, explored, and also mm-hmm. uh, have a create uh, have a, a sacred space for people to to do this, to talk about this. Absolutely. I totally agree. So regarding trauma, Mm -hmm. even touching on adversity, what are some of the common or or consistent things that you have to debunk when people are asking you about this or even coming to you for help? So I think the things that we have to debunk or, you know, I get asked about is, first of all, um, I think being Asian American or, you know, and a woman of color, it's not a topic that's discussed a lot. So mm-hmm. I always get asked, oh my gosh, how does your family feel? Or what did people say? Or how did you even speak up? And I'm going to be completely honest, it was definitely not easy at all. That's why it took me so long. It took me over 21 years to to speak up about it. And that was because I was, you know, my near-death experience was my wake-up call. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if that didn't happen, I would have still continued on that path that I was to live that double life and, you know, being a high-functioning depressive and kind of just hiding it. And, you know, on the outside, everything looked great. On the inside, that's when all the anxiety, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the, the drug and alcohol abuse. But for me, I justified it. I was like, But I'm doing, you know, on the outside, I have everything together. You justify it, right? So you're like, I have a job. It's not like I'm out on the streets or, you know, I'm a good functioning person of society. So you think that it's okay. So you make excuses for yourself. And um, so it was definitely hard. It was something that I felt I had to do because my life had reached a point where I had to speak my truth because I was literally killing myself. Um, And the suffering inside with the mental health issues, with the, um, with the drug and alcohol abuse. I, my, what I felt on the inside was so incongruent to how I was on the outside. I just, it, it blew up and I was forced to really come to terms with, is this really how I want to live my life? And that, after I kind of reached that tipping point, it reached a point where, you know what, it, I have to come out with this and I have to speak my truth about this, even if, my own family didn't approve or agree. And there were some people in my family who even until now still don't. And I've had to make peace with that. And I've had to forgive that, you know, and forgive myself. So it's definitely not easy, but I think it's so worth it. I, 
I would do it all over again. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I completely relate. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we don't talk about it. Or if we do hint towards it, it's you, you got to persevere, you got to move on, you know, we we don't see therapists. We handle it on our own. You know, that's mm-hmm. for other people. That's that's not yeah, totally. I totally, totally get Oh it. yeah. It's like, oh, that happened such a long time ago. This is words from, you know, my own mother. It happened such a long time ago. I just get over it. You know, let's not talk about mm-hmm. it. Why are you sh- you know, shame is a huge part in mm-hmm. my culture and it's like right. why are you throwing your family under the bus? You know, why do you have to put all your why do you have to tell people? Now people know. Mhm. That's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So what does a high-functioning depressive person look like? It's a lot of people that we know. It's a lot of people on the outside, exactly what it means, high-functioning. So you have on the outside, you know, you have a great career, maybe you have your things together, and you sort of rally for the facade, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you're when you don't have, when you're not in front of people, when you don't have your your alcohol, your drugs is sort of your crutch. You don't have all that. You go into these deep ruts of depression. And it's just extreme, extreme highs and extreme, extreme lows. But I would somehow get myself up, put a face on, and, like, you know, put all my energy in, in basically that living that lie, you know, the mask, and then go into these bingers where I was so depressed and I would just drink until I forgot you know, and then somehow managed to get up. Oh, okay. People are looking at me. I have to put on a face again. And it was just the same thing over and over again for years. No one was a wiser. Hmm. So is it easy now for you to notice that in other people and, and make, um, uh, I want to say sort of like a, a hidden or, or a subtle suggestion on how they can phase out of that? I can definitely see it. And especially with you know, my own experience with my own transformation and just having more awareness, I can definitely see it in in other people. But some people aren't ready. You know, it's it's not something that you definitely want to force, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's something that I would definitely talk to. I would suggest certain things um, like meditation, but I, I wouldn't go to a person and tell them, oh, you're a high functioning depressive, unless it's something they were open to, you know, Right, talking right. about um because if someone said that to me i'd be like i don't know what you're talking about i would deny it you know right. that's, that's embarrassing you don't want people to know you're like no i have everything together i'm fine it was always mm-hmm. i got it i'm fine i'm fine you know and then things obviously blew up in my face but uh, i think the little changes the little little things to change you know and that's why i i believe meditation is so powerful that's really what changed my life that's mm-hmm. what turned the corner for me because my whole entire life I had searched for outside, things outside of myself to fill a void, whether it was work, because I worked a lot, whether it was relationships, other people, drinking, drugs, you know, it was always something outside of me. And for the first time in my life, meditation was inside, you know, it was going mm-hmm. inward and that completely changed everything. Um, and it was Definitely not for me. It was, it, I had to face my demons. There was a lot of unearthing I had to do and a lot of purging and a lot of, a lot of this um, removing of energies of guilt, of shame, um, and, and really a journey of self-love, you know, mm-hmm. forgiving myself. 
a journey of coming back into my body. It was all about me. For the first time, it was just, and I had to take ownership and accountability for my life because, you know, even though I had gone through trauma for all those years, that trauma had, was done. Now it was up to me. Do I want to continue reliving that trauma over and over again and using it as an excuse or take ownership of my life and know that I'm the creator of what happens now? Mm-hmm. You know? And so with meditation, I was really able to take a step back and really have the increased awareness. Like every, every time I meditated, it was just this increased awareness of knowing that, you know, remembering who you are, that you actually have that power to change your thoughts instead of having your thoughts dictate your life. And for me, yeah, the the thoughts of trauma, I was reliving it over and over and over. And the reason why I had started, you know, I drank and I numb myself with drugs is because whenever I had flashbacks to those thoughts, I wanted to quiet it. I wanted to like, shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to confront it. So I would just numb it. You know, you'd medicate it to, to numb it. And through meditation, I had to face it and, you know, facing it and letting it flow through me and actually addressing it as hard as it was is what I needed to heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. So how big of a factor do you think the reality versus perception plays a part? Because I, I, I was just having a conversation about this with a friend where I just said, you know, life is hard until it gets to that easy point. But we're doing so much. And when we apply for a job, so let's just say, you know, we, we get a degree, we apply for a job, and it turns out it's not what we expect it to be. It's like, oh, my gosh, now I'm stuck here, but, you know, I have to save face. So how, how much does that perception versus actual reality play a part into that, that mental health and, and putting up the facade and things like that? I, I think our, it's, it's our, really our society and our culture put so much emphasis on it, on things that aren't as important. Mm. You know, we've really, it, it's, it's sad. We've put so much focus on external things, you know, on you need to make this much money. You need to have this title. You need to have this, you need to have these possessions. You need these things, things and stuff, right? Things and stuff where we're, it's, all over the, the ads, the news, social media, of all this, you know, if you buy this, if you have this, you'll be happy. But really, that's it, not. Happiness and, and that fulfillment comes from within. But it's just not talked about or taught as openly as it should be because, you know, we live in a capitalist society and things that, you know, really are fulfilling are free. You know, we ha- it's our breath. It's, it's all within us. And you can't really capitalize that much on it. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely difficult if we don't take the time to go inward and actually realize that we don't need those things. Um, my meditation teacher actually, and I always remember this because I, I absolutely love it. He made this analogy that we are a number one. And everything, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with having things or wanting to um, have wealth and abundance. I think, you know, having abundance and prosperity and wealth and money is part of, of life. And we're all entitled to it. That's not a bad thing. All these mm-hmm. things aren't inherently bad or good. There's, it's not that. It's, they're all, so if we're one, 
and everything else from car, job, possessions, whatever it is, they're all zeros, right? If we put ourselves first, then our value exponentially increases. We put ourselves first, which is our inner work, and knowing our fulfillment within ourselves, that self-love, that self-work, and everything else, zeros, and we have everything else, and our life feels fulfilled. But if we put all those other things first and us last, mm-hmm. then our value diminishes. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with wanting things. It feels like, but if you don't put yourself first, if you don't do your, your inner work first, if you don't have self-awareness, self-love, you know, all this, it all stems within. And when we have that, we'll have an abundance of it to share. But if we put that last, there's no amount of money, wealth, there's no mm. amount of cars, there's no amount of, of title that will make you happy. I mean, sadly, look at all the suicides that happen from yeah. Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade. On the outside, people are like, how? they had money, they had wealth, they had fame, mm. but yet this happened. So obviously, that's not enough to keep someone happy and fulfilled. Right. And it's funny that you were talking about the money aspect, too, because I remember hearing things like, oh, money's the root of all evil. Rich people are corrupt because they don't care about the little person. And I thought to myself, if money doesn't have a mm-hmm. brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, neutral. it's neutral. It is absolutely neutral. You know, it's, yeah, it's the, the people who use that. It could be used for good. Look at schools and, you know, donations that go into helping animals and other people. Money can be used for good. We've built infrastructures and highways. Money is not evil. You know, it's not inherently bad or good. It's it's the people that it's, it's another energy source, you know. Absolutely. I mean, LeBron James has built a whole school. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. You know, I promise. Well, it's free to wish. Exactly. Look at that. Look at the good that's going into that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So I, I want to ask you a little bit about the, the out-of-body experience because I know just going through, like, sometimes I just feel like it's an ongoing out-of-body, like, not a complete out-of-body experience, but sometimes I feel like I'm looking at what I'm doing and mm-hmm. it, does, it doesn't feel real at times. So when you mm-hmm. had that out-of-body experience, was it like that where you just felt like there was a separation of self but you were still watching yourself? Yeah, so in, it was an out-of-body near-death experience where I actually was hovering over myself. I saw myself having convulsions. This is when I was o- overdosing. And I, I saw everything kind of happen. And I saw what would have happened if I didn't come back into this body. So I saw them, I saw them being my friends who was there with me at that time, um, called the ambulance. I saw the ambulance come. I saw them put me in a body bag. I, I went to my funeral. Um, like this whole thing transformed, basically flashed before my eyes of what were to happen. And I went back to source and I was given the option um, to either stay or to come back. And I chose to come back. Yeah. 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 That is powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know... I don't know, you know, what my purpose was because I didn't know I would do this work at all. This right. is so, when people ask, I, I, this was something that happened through my own transformation. I had no clue mm-hmm. I was even going to tell people about, 
you know, my history of abuse. That was such like a, a hush hush thing, you know. Right. Mhm. So thank you for sharing that. I know that there are some people listening who are just saying thank you, Marion. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's very interesting because you were given that option and mm-hmm. we never really know our purpose. Even, even if we, we say like, I, you know, this is what I'm meant to do. And then we start unraveling ourselves and growing mm-hmm. and things like that. And then the tides turn and, and look, we're doing something else. I, I mm-hmm. wasn't planning on becoming a podcast. I just wanted to write blogs and be behind a computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those things. And here we are talking to each other and, and helping people who are going through these issues and creating the space here for for us and them. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't believe that we all have like this absolute one thing we have to find that we have to do. Mm-hmm. I think as life unfolds, it'll unfold with it, you know, and things can change. You know, what you thought you wanted 10 years ago is different, you know, from what maybe you'll want 10 years later. It really depends. Like we can't, I think, you know, it's funny because when I was younger, like in my 20s, I used to think the same way. Oh, I have to find that one thing that's my purpose. Now I realize that as I go through life, as long as I'm open, as long as I know that generally it's to to help inspire and impact others and to share my story, however way or shape or form that comes to be, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, being open definitely has its level of vulnerability, and I am still getting used to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It gets gets easier. Mm -hmm. You know, the more you talk about it, the more you practice it, it does get easier. Yeah, and, and that's one of the beauties of it as we progress on this path. Absolutely. So can you take us through some steps on how you help women to overcome the trauma and adversity? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So uh, when I work one-on-one with my clients, um, it, well, it goes to, it's very tailor fit to what they need. Mm-hmm. So I ask them and, and we go through a very extensive um, exercise of really what is it that they want to accomplish, what kind of trauma it is, and we really go back to the root of it. Um, and not only the coaching, but sometimes when I see clients in person, I actually do timeline healing. Um, and this is anywhere from an hour to two, and this is an in-person healing. Um, timeline therapy and timeline healing is when we actually go into deep meditation, and I'm, I help my clients go back into certain, their subconscious takes them to certain moments, certain periods of their time where they need to do healing, whether it's um, addressing their inner child, whether it's going to, you know, someone from, it could be their past self just only two years before, wherever they need to, there's that stagnant, um, heavy energy that they need to heal when they need to go back. And um, maybe it was a time where they were abandoned by their mother or father. And, you know, we go back and we heal that timeline. And it's very healing because they start realizing that they can be their own mother and their own father and their own healer. You know, they could be the person. They're the higher self for their past self. And so we do that healing. But 
when I work with clients, we have to go back to what is it, you know, because we can't just put a Band-Aid over it. We have to un work backwards to the root of things. And a lot of things happen during our childhood. Sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's unconscious. And we really don't know until we start talking. Because they might say, oh, you know, I just want to find, um, you know, what I really want is I, I want to find a, a husband or a partner. And I, need to, I just want this, this, you know, I want to go back into my feminine and do this. But we have to work our way backwards. Okay, that's amazing. But what deeper work do we need to do? Oftentimes, it's something deeper. It's, it's uh, a root of where they need to really work on their self-love. Why? Because there's something in their childhood that they have to address. So it varies per client that I have, but oftentimes, once we go back to the root of it and then change that, that timeline and then work on changing the mindset, then whatever they want now ends up happening as a byproduct. Mm because we've gone to the root of the issue. So, wow. it's, mm -hmm. so it's a lot of, of a mindset work. It's a lot of past and inner child healing. And once we get that, then we can work on, okay, what do you want now? Because if you just work on, okay, I want to have, you know, I want to find uh, a, a boyfriend, husband, partner, you know, yes, you can, you know, do things to look better physically, change your wardrobe, how you act, how you dress, but, is it really like something like as long lasting as you want? You know, maybe the root of it is you need to work on a lot of your own self-love because I think once you work on healing yourself, you're able to attract a much better partner instead of someone who, you know, maybe you'll be dependent on, or maybe it'll be a toxic relationship or a codependent relationship, you know? So we have to go back really and not only heal the timeline, but change the mindset. Right, some deep mindset shifts there, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I like how you were saying to go back. That's amazing because we may not, as you were saying, realize it could be on a subconscious level, something that happened two years ago, 10 years ago, and we just tailored our life based on that one experience, mm -hmm. and it just builds upon that. So, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Every client that I've done um, a timeline therapy healing with, when they get out of it, they're like, because you don't, you don't really, you don't sometimes know where your subconscious takes you. And mm. you're like, they're like, wow, I didn't know that affected me so much. And they're like, yeah, no, that explains, like, that explains why, you know, I always have this um, self-sabotaging, you know, habit whenever someone gets close to me or this, or I always say this, or, you know, it, it unearths a lot of things for them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it does. So because you have about so many people, what are some of the things you do to make sure that you don't become drained and everything mm -hmm. that comes with being a healer? Uh, this is actually something that I always work on because it, we have to, you know, we I talk about self-love a lot. So if we don't take care of ourselves first, how are we going to help others, right? right. And this is something that I had to learn and it's a continuous practice. So I, I teach something and I practice something called um, Thriver Basics. And basically it's when I say basic, people are like, what do you mean basic? It's not the slang where it's like, oh, basic. That's so like everyone does it. It's yeah. basics means foundational. Like when things like, and I, I can it to think of a hurricane. 
you know, the safest place in a hurricane is the eye of the storm, right? The center, the middle, where it's actually the most calm. When everything else is going crazy around you, you know, what are the practices, the tools that you can go back to, simple tools that bring you back to this sense of calm? So for me, um, and it varies per person, but for me, my basics is meditation. Meditation number one. Uh, journal writing. I found that journaling has helped me so, so much because I'm able to, you know, without judgment, pour everything that's in my mind and all those thoughts um, into paper. Um, it's a gratitude practice because oftentimes, you know, once we start comparing and we start complaining, we lose sight of our blessings. And so that kind of brings me back into my center. Um, and then doing something in nature. Hmm. Um, that's a that's a fiber basic. So it's these tools that I have in my toolbox. So when I do start feeling drained or I feel like, you know, because I want to be as best as I can be as healthy in mind, body, and soul in order to help others, right? If you're depleted, you can't give your full energy to to helping other people. So I, I try to always go back to these basics. And I have a lot of alone time, which I love. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I value and I treasure and I, you know, I honor my space and my energy. I protect my energy. Um, and what's crazy is that if you had asked this for me years ago, I actually before could never be alone. Mm-hmm. I always had a problem being alone, especially with my thoughts, you know, cause that's when I was like, nope, I can't, I don't want to have flashbacks. I don't want to think about this. I need to drink something. I need to do something to numb it. But mm-hmm. now it's so different. I actually, I love the peace and quiet. I, yeah. I love that, you know, and it energizes me. It actually really does. And then I can go out back into the world, you know, and, and be of service a lot better once I do my, my toolbox of foundational things. I absolutely love that because mm-hmm. I know how important it is to have that time carved out for self. Mm-hmm. Especially when you can spend that by yourself. You're so right. I allow my thoughts and feelings to just flow. I allow mm-hmm. myself to feel. But uh and you just actually reminded me of something to start writing. <laughs> I forgot. I, I had told uh several people that I was gonna start doing that and I completely forgot. So I am going to make a commitment to myself <laughs> to get that part done. Just write all out, gratitude, things like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, also, another thing I love that you said was the nature part. Recently, and I believe I just wrote about this in the blog post, I realized, actually I think it's Instagram, I realized that traveling is part of my mental health. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was something that I just loved to do, that it was in my blood, because my dad traveled all over the world, lived mm-hmm. in several countries. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, he loved to travel. My papa used to take me out when I was a kid. I used to stare at the skies and imagine where the planes were going because it was pretty much a flat city in Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. I can, and I live close to the international airport, so I would just watch the planes go all the time. And I think, man, where is that plane going? Uh-huh. But then I, I realized this year, so I went on. So my, me and my closest friends, we go on our group trips each year and this year early on we went to Iceland and when I came back wow that is oh my gosh well I'll, I will send you a link to my blog post it's so expensive places to eat uh what to do you, you'll love it mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I thought to myself oh my gosh this isn't just a passion 
this is for my mental health. Yeah. I realize that. And just as you were saying earlier, when we start working backwards, getting to the root of things, we can figure out, okay, here's what it really is. And that's what I was doing. I was thinking to myself, oh, no, this, this is something that it has to be. This is my non-negotiable. This is something mm-hmm. that makes me sane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love traveling, too. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's something about experiencing different cultures, you know, trying the food. And sometimes it's, it's funny. I feel like I'm on an episode of um, Fear Factor, for example. <laughs> I forget how I was telling this, too. Uh, I was in Mexico City a couple of years ago, and one of the things to eat there are the crickets. I couldn't do it. I wanted to. I was like, no, I can't. But... <laughs> But uh, but I do eat other things and I love it. So yeah, so I to the, the listeners out there, I really encourage you to, you know, well of course take lots of notes because Marion gave us a lot of great material here. But also figure out what's your eye in that storm that keeps you centered when the chaos is there. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely, and it varies for people. It, it could be different, you know. Um, for some, it could be dancing. Maybe it's painting. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, I have a client, for her, it's sailing. Um, mm-hmm. I have another client, for her, it's, um, it's, it's painting. She got back into arts, you know, and that she loses herself in, in her work. You know, it could vary for people. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's uh, going to a certain place. Whatever it is, find, you know, that, that center for you so that you could always go back to it. You know, and then you can just recharge. Mm-hmm. So, I in, in your bio I mentioned that you also work with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Is there any difference from those who are entrepreneurs and aren't entrepreneurs when it comes to the mental health and other things like that? Yes, I, I believe so. I mean, everyone, I, I think, needs to improve on their mental health in general, because our society always tells us we have to go, 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 do, do, do. And uh, it's all like, you need to accumulate all this stuff. So I think everyone across the board definitely can work on their mental health. I think for entrepreneurs, it, it may be a little bit more, um, there's more pressure, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, when we think of entrepreneurs are like, Oh, they have to, do you want to achieve so much? And I feel entrepreneurs are also, risk takers more creative they always have ideas they always want to execute we put a lot of pressure on ourselves you know um and then we also want to put this facade really like that we're all okay we got this you know and it it, it just it's a culture of you know there used to be i see these memes all the time it's like hustle 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 team no sleep you know and i'm like no that is that just causes burnout and I totally, like, I used to be on that team. I used to pride myself. I was like, how badass did I used to be when I used to party all night, you know, not sleep, and then go to work all day, travel to, you know, go to meetings, do all this, and then do it all over again. I used to take pride in that. And I I burnt out. You know what I mean? That's so unhealthy. Now I'm like, I need my eight hours at least of sleep. I need my alone time. I need all of this, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm losing my laughter because I, I don't want to laugh too loudly and, and hurt people's ears <laughs> but yeah. that was legit me when I tell you yeah, I I, 
I work 10 hours a day. So when you work 10 hours, you get a day off a week. So <laughs> pre-25 years of age, mm-hmm. Tia will party from Thursday night to literally Monday morning, and my friends would drop me off at work. <laughs> okay? And then I would go to the bathroom, have a, a, a conversation with God. I'm like, God, okay, I need to get through this day. You know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, we're done. Good. Get everything done. Come home. Good. And then do it all over again the next weekend. That stopped right around 25 years of age. So, <laughs> and I'll be 33 in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> we early, don't do that anymore. Early happy birthday. I turned 33 a few months ago. And yeah, I'm just like, uh, by the time it's like 10, you know, I'm already probably in bed. <laughs> like, I like my full, full night of restful sleep and just, yeah. You know, and it's well, just this culture of that, of no team, no sleep. And now I'm yeah. like, must sleep. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's funny because I'm a night owl. I do get sleep. My friends will tell you, you know, Tia doesn't sleep. I do sleep. But, yeah, now I, I, I definitely changed how I do things because you're right. It's just that used to be the thing. Like, yeah, you know, I can still do this. And then the team, no sleep, or the while you were watching fill in the blank of whatever episode for yeah. the one hour. I was building my empire. What's one hour break? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So we definitely need to have that mind shift uh, too, mindset shift too, because there are new entrepreneurs coming in every generation, or dare I say, every day. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's so important to take care of ourselves, our mind, body, and soul. We can't forget that. It's it's a holistic picture. Mhm, mhm, and definitely just going back to the original point of it, it's okay to express and speak up and say what's going on about you, and and yes, that will cost you some friends and even some family members. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this really truly is for your mental health. Yeah, you know, I I tell this to all my friends, and I I remind myself of this all the time. You know, you are your longest relationship. Mm. So you need to treat yourself well, right? Mm-hmm. You're your longest relationship. So you need to make sure that you love being with yourself and you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're like me with fiercely protect, protecting your energy. You, mm-hmm. you, just have to. you really, really have to. Yeah. So uh, before we talk about your free gift, any final words? Uh, for those listening, uh, especially those who've gone through any trauma or uh, any hardships, adversity, whatever it is, just know that you're not alone. I think that's uh, one of the messages that I really want to um, spread is that you're not alone. Because a lot of people, especially survivors of you know abuse, trauma, anything, think that they're by themselves, that no one understands them, that they're alone and they're carrying this burden by themselves, but you are not alone. And second, you always have a choice. Mm. always and oftentimes not making a choice is a choice in itself mm-hmm. you always have a choice um yeah and that's uh those are really my my reminders mm-hmm. you know um with all the other things i said you know self-care take care yeah. of yourself um mm-hmm. yeah i think it just all, all boils down to that you know you have to be your own best friend Lover, mother, father, you have to take care of yourself. You have to think of, of yourself because the more you take care of yourself and give yourself love, you're actually better equipped to take care of everything else in your life. 
Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And even, I know we didn't touch on this, but even the triggers that pop up, we can also be able to deal with that because of the self-love and, and mm -hmm. the confidence we build over time to speak up because they will happen. Oh, you know? yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's another thing too that I know people go through. Even myself, when I talk about, you know, the loss of my grandparents, I hear a song or I have a dream of them or even issues with my foot. I am terrified of falling again because I'm like, that may cost me another three months of my life. So, you know, you had these, we all have these triggers. So mm -hmm. yeah, that self-love and speaking up and understand you are not alone will definitely help you mm -hmm. when things like that pop up. Mm -hmm. And so you have a free gift for the listeners out there. I do. It is, if they go to com backslash free gift, uh, it is a uh, releasing it is actually a, a writing guide to release any trauma or blocks or energy blocks. Um, and it's a really amazing writing exercise uh, and guide really to start unearthing what's, what's really, you know, uh, trapped in there, that trapped energy, that trauma that we hold in our energetic bodies and in our physical bodies too. So I, I believe writing is such a cathartic experience and this guide will really help you through. It has a lot of questions that kind of unearth what's, what's deep inside. Love it. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Make sure that you download that. You can, of course, use it as a reference, whatever the case may be. So thanks again, Marion, for coming on the show. I absolutely enjoyed myself. Thank you for having me and letting me share all of this with your audience. Not a problem. All right, so spiritual trailblazers, be nice to yourself, take care of yourself, many blessings, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining Spiritual Living and Empowerment with Tia Johnson. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to the next show. Want to continue the conversation with Tia? Follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Tia underscore Johnson underscore. Have a wonderful day filled with many blessings. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses. And you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA.